You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Welcome back to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is, of course, Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado for episode 353 of this podcast. If you didn't check out yesterday's yet, it's still available as far as I know. It hasn't been canceled just yet. It is old enough and about an old enough subject that I think it should be safe. I think it should be safe from the cancel culture folks. We'll see. Nothing, it seems, is quite safe, particularly when Everyone is outraged and offended by everything, very easily offended. It is not a particularly loving age that we live in right now. Paul writes in the love chapter, you may know it as 1 Corinthians 13, that love is not rude, so we shouldn't be rude. But he also writes that love is not easily offended. And what we find right now is that people are very, very easily offended. And you almost have to make yourself totally boring in order to be something approximating safe in our day. And I think that is just a tragedy. That's a travesty. It makes it more likely that people are not going to communicate with one another, that we are going to slip into something like a dark ages again, despite all of our technology One would imagine our capabilities would be greatly expanded, and yet we seem to want, based on what's in our hearts, to use the technological capabilities that we have in oppressive, repressive, frivolous ways all too often. But let's not give up. Don't give up hope. There is a light in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome the light, and that light is the goodness of God. And his word endures forever. His love endures forever. His faithfulness endures forever. If we are in him, then we endure forever. Don't fear man who can only kill the body. Also, don't fear man who can only cancel you. I think cancel might just turn out to be, in the end, a euphemism like abortion is. And I've said this for years, and I'm not the only one. It's not an original thought to me. It's just what it is. But abortion being a euphemism for the murder of an unborn child, sooner or later, in order to be morally and logically consistent, will turn into euphemisms for terminating adult life as well. We find this in the case of elderly folks in Europe. And there are calls here in the U.S. as well to do likewise. Pretty much anything you can find being done in Europe, you will also find a progressive here in the United States who wants us to do likewise, who thinks that because Europe is older and also where white people belong, that we should just do what Europe is doing. Now, I'll unpack that very offensive statement that I just made. Europe is where white people belong. Well, that's really the only conclusion I can come to. 
when you have people just flippantly, shorthandedly saying that the fact of the United States of America is in and of itself racist because first slavery and then the displacement of Native American peoples, indigenous peoples, we don't own this land. This is their land. This is still their land. It's always been their land. It always will be their land. Well, good luck applying that kind of thinking to the rest of the globe. If you're going to do it here, you're going to have to do it everywhere. But I don't see a whole lot of that. I don't see us telling folks who maybe have an ancestor Roman, go back to Italy. Go back to where you came from. You don't belong in England. And yet we know that the Romans put a colony and put a great deal of colonizing into the British Isles. And actually we know that south of Hadrian's Wall, the Romans were very instrumental in the development of what became known as English culture. And English culture eventually ended up being the dominant culture and winning out against the Scots and the Welsh and the Irish, unifying that territory, those islands, into what we now know of as the British Isles or the United Kingdom. But we don't say to Brits who might have a Roman ancestor, go back to where you came from. It's been so many centuries, you just kind of shrug. And most people, they're not motivated by a strong, acute sense of history and logical consistency when they hang their heads in shame or else angrily decry the fact of America's existence. Most folks, I'm sorry, and I don't mean this to be rude, most people are what Lenin referred to as useful idiots. And when I say useful idiots, I don't mean that they can't be smart in other ways, but I do mean that they've been conditioned by a very one-sided and very purpose-driven education system into believing things that recruit them in tearing down their own country so that progressives can build it up according to their imagination. Tear down your country morally, spiritually, historically, rewrite the history. Let's say that the nation wasn't founded in 1776. Let's say it was founded in 1619. All we can see is slavery. All we can see is the pacification of indigenous peoples. All we can see is racism. That's all it is. And sexism. Don't forget sexism. But even on the sexism piece, and this is what I want to talk more about in this episode, we're coming into a very, very strange reality. What does it mean to be sexist when there is no such thing as a woman? Riddle me that. How is it possible to be a sexist if there is no such thing as a woman? The Babylon Bee just had its Twitter account suspended. And I saw the article, looks like from the Not the Bee staff, just yesterday, that they are not apologizing. The Babylon Bee is not apologizing. But they have had their account suspended. Now, why, 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 why would they have their account suspended? Why would they be not able to 
post to Twitter anymore. What, what could possibly be the issue? Is the issue that they are fake news? Is the issue that they are very funny? Well, yes and no. Actually, fake news you can trust, as they say in their podcast, which you should definitely check out, as long as it is still up. Uh, supposing they don't get removed, because that's how things seem to go these days. These social media giants have a kind of groupthink and herd mentality. Once one of them starts taking shots, if there's not a knuckling under and a bowing and a kissing of the ring, then the rest pile on. So who knows? Maybe Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, everywhere else that they're Babylon B podcast is hosted to, maybe they all join together and they say, okay, you can't have a podcast hosted on our platforms anymore. So get it while you can. Maybe YouTube joins in and then you can't watch it on YouTube anymore. I don't know where they host their website. Hopefully not Amazon Web Services because we know how that worked out for Parler. But again, what is the issue? Is it that they're too funny? Is it that they're fake news? Is it the left can't rebut their arguments and so they just try to shut them up? Yes, yes, yes. But more specifically, this suspension has to do with so-called hate speech. And what is hate speech? Hate speech is speech that the left hates. Plain and simple. Now, you could say there is such a thing as hate speech besides just how the left defines it, and we should be against hate speech. But you know what? I think that the term is so loaded, and I think it is so misused, and it is so radioactive, that it really doesn't matter what the nutritional value is of the food that is grown near Chernobyl the uh, nuclear meltdown notwithstanding, the fact of the matter is that there was a nuclear meltdown. So would you eat? I mean, somebody will argue, surely. Someone will pop up out of the woodworks and say, oh, no, it's totally safe. Would you eat it when you don't need to? Food that's grown in the shadow of Chernobyl? Would you? Why would you? You know, It doesn't matter what the nutritional value is of the food. Otherwise... You wouldn't want to get cancer and die. And so also, there's a kind of brain cancer that comes with using the word or the term hate speech. Now, again, let's get more specific. What hate speech did the Babylon Bee supposedly engage in, in violation of Twitter's community standards? The Babylon Bee's... Man of the Year is Rachel Levine. That's it. That's what it is. The Babylon Bee's Man of the Year is Rachel Levine. Now, who is Rachel Levine? If you don't know, Rachel Levine is a transgendered person. We'll just say person. Born a man, still a man, biologically, self-identifies as a woman, Rachel Levine, so-called, has long hair, dresses as a woman, uh, 
identifies as a woman, has female preferred pronouns, but was born a man, actually lived as a man for a good many years. In fact, actually, if I can use the not the be article announcing all this as a reference point, there's a picture here that looks to be somewhat dated, maybe from the 1990s, of Rachel Levine when said government official, now government official, was living as a man. And it looks as though also pictured is a wife and two children, a son and a daughter, if I can assume their gender. But you're not allowed in this day and age with the new ever-evolving Orwellian rules governing speech and conduct and thinking and feeling, you are not allowed to use someone's old name when they announce that they want to be known as a woman, but they were formerly known as a man. You can't use their dead name, as it's called, which happens to be in this case, Richard Levine. You can't use their dead name. That's not just rude, it is hate speech, according to the left. Now, how could it be hateful to say that on the birth certificate, the name is Richard? That was the name your parents gave you. Now, you can call yourself whatever you please, really. That's not a controversy in my mind. Call yourself whatever you please. My middle name is Ashley. That's my given birth middle name. No, it's not my wife's name. Everybody who has seen that, they're like, oh, who's Ashley? I am. My my middle name is Ashley. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Is it a girl's name? No, because I'm not a girl. I'm a man. But I don't have a problem with the name thing. What I do have a problem with is when someone is trying to punish you and destroy your life if you don't say what they want you to say. I I do have a problem with that. And we all should. We all should have a problem with that. They will try to destroy your life if you don't call Rachel Levine a woman. So what does the Babylon Bee do as a satirical news site, as a intentionally hilarious and fake news site trying to make fun of current events, trends, issues in the church, in society, in politics, in the news, in philosophy, in academia, in everything. They announce that Rachel Levine is their Babylon Bee Man of the Year. Now, they did this, and just to be clear, the equal opportunity even-handed treatment. Let's not leave anybody out. They also did a Babylon Bee Women of the Year. And they had more than one. They didn't have a woman of the year. They had women of the year. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, shown pictured in a dress, wearing a wig, dressed up as, it looks like maybe Jennifer Lopez at some award ceremony, 
just as kind of a gag thing. I'm not sure quite who that is. Hulk Hogan, there's a picture of him. Looks like it's probably from the early 90s, late 80s. He's wearing a tutu. Hulk Hogan is also a woman of the year. Colin Kaepernick, look at this brave, powerful woman playing football and fighting racism. You go, girl, says the caption. Uh, President Zelensky was on Dancing with the Stars once upon a time, a younger him prior to the Russian invasion of his country. He's wearing pink. He's dancing with some gal who is wearing a lighter shade of pink. He is also a woman of the year, apparently. Mitt Romney is uh, one of the Babylon Bee women of the year. So also Stephen Colbert, Justin Trudeau. This year, Miss Trudeau showed the world that anyone could be a dictator. The ghost of Kiev, presumably also a woman. SpongeBob SquarePants and the Kyle Rittenhouse prosecutor. And so what the Babylon Bee is doing here, uh, for those who are uninitiated or who don't get it, which perish the thought. I, I hate the thought that you might not get how funny this is and that you might instead be offended. Don't, no, 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 please don't be offended. Please, please laugh, laugh with us. Let's all laugh together. The big idea here is that if there is no such thing as a woman, what does it matter? How can you say that it is hateful to call a woman a man, to call a man a woman? I mean, let me get this straight. A man can say that he is a woman, but that's not hateful. A woman can say that she's a man, and that's not hateful. But if we call a man a man, and if we call a woman a woman, when they want us to call them just the opposite, that's hateful. That doesn't make sense. I don't think you understand the concepts you're dealing with at all, at all, at all, at all. I think you're just a scared little rabbit who's afraid of being canceled themselves, or you see opportunity to gain advantage by being the person pulling the rope on the guillotine. You think you're going to avoid being guillotined, but you also think that maybe, just maybe, you get the uh, primo position. You get to rummage through the pockets for spare change when this is all over. But it really is. It's a, it's a puzzling thing. You have Leah Thomas, who is another transgendered person, I'll say that, born a male, biologically a male, competing in women's sports, competing in swimming pools against biological women, actual women, and dominating, winning by three seconds, just shattering records left and right. Oh, so brave. It's so brave that you're beating girls. What? No, that's not brave. You know, it's a funny thing because last night, Sunday night, today's Monday morning, we're watching The Little Rascals. And this is something I wonder, and I, I literally did wonder this to myself last night as I was watching this with my boys. At what point do they come for The Little Rascals? Is that a crazy question to ask? It feels less and less crazy every day. 
At what point do they come for the little rascals? Because in the little rascals, you have men and women. You have boys and girls. You do have some weird social engineering stuff, I think, that gets slipped in. Maybe that's just me. A.J. Ferguson, played by Reba McIntyre, happens to be a woman. They didn't expect that. The He-Man Woman Haters Club decides to let the girls in. You've got Alfalfa and Spanky dressing up in tutus themselves, sneaking into the ballet recital, and then trying to hightail it out of there. They don't pass for girls. They're not part of the class. And the funny thing is, the ballet teacher is not angry, it doesn't seem, anyway, first and foremost, that they aren't part of her class. She doesn't even recognize she's so busy, of course so much going on. She doesn't recognize that they aren't part of her class. She seems to be angry that they were boys dressed up as girls sneaking in and making a mockery of the ballet recital. And it's a joke to them. They they don't take it seriously. One of them ends up trying to just stuff a frog into his tutu just to hide it. But then it's ribbiting all through the performance and in time, of course. It has to ribbit in time with the music. And so then they're just completely disrupting this ballet. Well, that's what it is when Leah Thomas is destroying women in the pool, winning gold medals and first place and all these accolades from the lefties. It's like that, except... Instead of the powers that be, instead of the adults, instead of the officiators saying, absolutely not, get out, get out. I'm going to grab you by the ear and I'm going to throw you out. No, you're making a mockery of this. Absolutely not. Instead of that happening, we're putting the disruptors on magazine covers. This really is of a piece with what Black Lives Matter was doing back in 2020, burning American cities down. The point was not to destroy that building. The point was to destroy our confidence that we have a society that's going to endure. That was the point. The point was to deconstruct everything which has been constructed so that the leftists have a fighting chance. Because otherwise, they're not going to talk us into it. They're just going to have to do it by brute force. And in the case of the Babylon Bee, the Babylon Bee is pushing back on the absurdity and saying, this is ridiculous. You know what? Our man of the year is actually going to be a transgendered woman, if that's that's correct. I don't even know. I can't keep it straight. I can't suspend disbelief. This is like a poorly written novel. I can't suspend disbelief enough to follow the plot on whether it's a transgender woman, if it was, if it, the person, And don't you dare object, because if there is no such thing as objective gender, then what's the difference between saying male, female, it, or he, she, or it? It really, it's not hateful, it's just confused. I'm not the one who's confused first and foremost. I'm confused because you're, I'm confused because you're confused and you're confusing me. But the Babylon Bee says that Rachel Levine, is their man of the year. 
The Babylon Bee has selected Rachel Levine as its first annual Man of the Year. Levine is the U.S. Assistant Secretary for Health for the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, where he serves proudly as the first man in that position to dress like a Western cultural stereotype of a woman. He is also an admiral in the U.S. Public Health Service Commissioned Corps. What a boss. And so this is something that not the Bee and the Babylon Bee have been pointing out with courage, with clarity. It's a joke, but then again, actually, the situation is the joke, and the mocking of it is the serious thing, and it, it deserves to happen. To say that a biological man is the best qualified woman is really the same thing as saying that men are more qualified than women. You're not elevating transgendered people. You're not. You're not elevating women. You're destroying the whole concept, the whole idea of women. You might as well conclude from this that the left thinks that women themselves are a social construct. Like womanhood is a social construct. I look at some of the packaging, some of the advertising, some of the phrasing, and you see a move away from even using the word woman objectively. What is a woman? And you start to see women being defined by the fact that they have periods. Women are just people who have periods. That's all. That's all they are to us. What? What? Actual, actually what? Like what, what the hell are you talking about? It's craziness. It's insanity. But meanwhile, it's a very odd, confused thing that the folks who are saying, really, essentially, there is no such thing as a woman are damn determined to make sure that we refer to Rachel Levine as a woman. Well, but I thought you just said there is no such thing as a woman. And then they get flustered, and then they get angry, and they get all incensed. And rather than admitting, well, yeah, you're right, I didn't quite think that through, they say, shut up. Shut up or we'll shut you up. The Babylon Bee, for their part, has announced that they are not going to apologize They're not going to apologize, and they really can't. But I think this is how it starts. I think this is how the purge happens. The racism thing wasn't really sticking. It wasn't really bearing out. And so they switched tactics. And if more Christians, more church people had read Saul Alinsky, they would understand what they're dealing with here. This is not folks in good faith, the vast majority of them. We were convinced all too easily to keep silent or to soft pedal the truth. And so, yes, far too many people are confused, but there are a great many puppets, including far too many in the church, who have bought the lie that to call a man a man, to call a woman a woman, is hateful. What they really, really mean when they say that it's hateful, is that they hate it. That's what they really mean. It's an emotivist way of defining the problem as they see it. 
they hate that there would be certain expectations, that there would be certain responsibilities, that they would have a duty to someone besides themselves. It's a very self-indulgent and frivolous, selfish, self-absorbed, unloving, and ultimately suicidal way of living. I reserve the right to be whatever I feel like I am. And tragically, this is why so many LGBTQ persons commit suicide. It's not because they are disagreed with too much. It's because they are affirmed too much. They commit suicide because they hold on to this idea that they should just live out however they're feeling in any given moment, in any given day. And so what do they do when the way that they feel is that life doesn't make any sense and that they've been living a lie? And then they live a different lie and they realize, okay, well, this feels like a lie and that felt like a lie and I don't know where I'm at anymore. So maybe it's all just an illusion. Maybe I should just end it. That's really what happens. That's really how that goes. It's a kind of mental and emotional and spiritual death, which we see gripping society at large. And it can't be sustained. It just can't. It's not hard to see how cancel culture could evolve into violent persecution of Christians either. It really it's it's really not. You look at a lot of the language surrounding COVID vaccination, lockdowns, masking. You had people on the left just out and out wishing that unvaxxed, unmasked folks going out in public and daring to resume their lives without permission would die. I hope you die, they would say. Now, why is that? Because of jealousy. Because you are controlling yourself in a way that I don't feel free to. In a way that maybe they're just flat not free to. Because of their worldview, because of how they have chosen to regard government as God, they're not free to. But boy, does it look nice. But they don't want to admit that it looks nice because then they would be out. And so it becomes this kind of Chinese finger trap where the harder you try and pull out, the tighter it gets. It's a curious, curious thing that we have the whole idea that there is such a thing as women under fire. Now, I was asking my neighbor here recently, uh, genuinely, uh, very sincerely, and I respect his opinion. I trust his honesty and his genuine concern for the truth. And so I asked him recently, you know, we were talking about women in the church and serving, and, and, and I say church with a capital C. I don't mean our local church, but I mean capital C, big picture, ordination of women, regarding women as leaders in the church, how should we think of that? And I think he and I disagree in maybe some particulars. I am more sensitive to what could be a slippery slope than he is on certain points. And that could either mean that uh, he's not seeing something that I am that is there, or it could mean that I'm seeing something that isn't there. And he's not because it's not there. I'm being oversensitive. But I asked him, I said, you know, 
just to clarify, I mean, do you do you feel like I'm a misogynist? Do you feel like I have just a, a latent distrust and animosity towards women? Like the way that I present my views and convictions on issues pertaining to men and women and home and church and society and whatnot. And to my relief, he said, no, I, I don't think so. I don't think you, I, I think we maybe disagree on some particulars, but I don't, I don't think you're a misogynist. I said, okay, cool. I, I really appreciate that. But I got to thinking to myself, it's like, you know, I, this is how it's gone through history. I think this is part of what Jesus means when he says that we are the salt of the earth. And that salt that has lost its savor isn't good for anything. It's just going to be thrown out and trampled under men's feet. That we are the salt of the earth is to say we are a kind of common grace. The fact that Christians are not just immediately raptured, immediately transposed into heaven. I mean, yes, first and foremost... It has to do with God getting glory. But part of how he's getting glory practically is that we are acting as a kind of preservative. As we trust in his word, as we preach his gospel, as we make disciples, as we raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, which is just to say the fear and instruction of the Lord, as we treat those around us with dignity and respect as fellow image bearers of the Almighty, to whom we will all one day give an account. As we do that, God gets glory to a very great extent by how we handle situations like this. Now, again, as I said at the top of this episode, and as I've been mulling over privately and sharing with you on this podcast in recent weeks and months and years, love is not easily offended. So that means the cancel culture crowd can't just say that love is angrily destroying anybody who disagrees with them any more than they can say that hate is someone saying something that they disagree with right they don't they don't get that magical power of being able to just decide what these objective truths are or aren't from minute to minute to suit themselves they they just they don't have that power they're wish casting they wish they could define love and hate. And they're trying, and they're falling victim to a great many logical fallacies in the process. But so also, love is not rude. And so what I want to be careful of is when I get canceled, (laughs) supposing I'm not already, when I get canceled, to be able to look back with a clear conscience. I think that's a great deal of what Paul and others write about in the New Testament about being above reproach so that we have a clear conscience. Yes, we need to have a good testimony in part because in the end, Peter talks about this, in the end, we will win over those who have been abusing us when they see that we're blameless. We might even win some of them to Christ by our blamelessness. But so also, we should have a clear conscience so that we don't become unproductive, unfruitful. You know, I've recently been having a lot of discussion 
about some leadership classes here at our local church. And I went to the first, and I haven't been to any more, in large part because we just had a baby. I just started a new job. There's just a lot, a lot going on all at once. And it was too much to try and throw an additional thing in. But also, in part because, I'll just be completely honest with you, I wonder whether I ought to, even if we didn't have so much going on, I wonder whether it's wise. I wonder whether it is prudent for me to attend a class which is billed in the email announcements that come out every week, which is billed as for any who are currently serving in leadership or who wish to serve in leadership at some of you in the future, please attend these classes. And I look at that and I think to myself about painful, bad experiences in the past. And if there's ever any doubt as to whether a situation was handled as well as it could have been, boy, howdy, that can gnaw at you for a long, long time. And even if you're quite certain that you handled everything above board in a bad situation that didn't turn out the way that you hoped it would have, you can still come away questioning, okay, do I know how to respond to this moving forward? Do I know how to relate to this moving forward? Can I trust that my engagement is going to be more helpful than not based on being once bitten and twice shy now? And so I've been talking through that behind the scenes with a few men that I trust and respect and appreciate very much. And I think with regards to this, we should be careful to take the long view and neither affirm untrue things, ungodly things, which we eventually will have to give an account for, nor affirm true things in a way that is obnoxious needlessly. Now, a satirical joke site publishing an article announcing that Rachel Levine is man of the year. That plays by different rules, in my opinion. But even so, I don't, I don't see anything amiss, anything offensive. I'm not offended. And I'm certainly not going to be offended just because other people are too easily offended. That's not loving for me to affirm their self-identifying as offended any more than it would be loving for me to affirm a man who dresses up as a woman or a woman who dresses up as a man or a boy or a girl who says, I feel like I'm the wrong gender. It's all a social construct that needs to be deconstructed. I think we do need to be careful, but also we need to meditate on what's good and what's true. We read that in Philippians. Whatsoever things are good, true, praiseworthy, commendable, excellent, think on these things. And the God of all peace will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. There's a lot that is trying to conquer our hearts. And we need that peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, to guard our hearts. We need it. In another place we read, to guard your heart above all things, because from it 
flow the springs of life. Your heart affects what you say and what you don't say. It affects what you do and what you don't do. It affects how you perceive what other people say and do. And so we need to take care. We need to be diligent. We need to be self-controlled. We need to pray and ask the good Lord for self-control and for wisdom and for discretion and for discernment, believing and not doubting. I'm not convinced that I always have it, but as Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, I press on. And that's all we can do, I think, at this point. It's going to be what it's going to be, and the good Lord knows and rules and reigns over all. Some very unexpected thing could be instituted by him to change the whole course of what we think of as inevitable. We should not be fatalistic. We should not be uncritically optimistic. Instead, what we should say is what James, half-brother of Jesus says, God willing, we'll live and do this or that. But that's all the time I've got for this episode. I got to run. It's a Monday morning. I've got a safety meeting in 20 minutes. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com.